if you will. Hopefully you've got a handout there that was available. If not, uh, the guys can get you one and so forth. Colossians chapter number one. Does anybody need a handout? I have one left. It's going 50 bucks, $50. <laughs> Do I hear 100 <laughs> Oh, okay, there you go. All right, Colossians chapter number one. We've been talking about heaven and the heavenly places, and I, I think we've been going for at least four months looking at this issue of, the, of where you and I are going to spend eternity as members of the church, the body of Christ, and so forth. And, and we've been looking at different aspects of it. This morning, um, I want to talk to you about the creatures that are in the heavenly places. That's why the long list, okay? And what I want to do with you is really just kind of have some fun with this this morning. And uh, we're not going to be able to look at all of the doctrine going on in every passage. I just wanted to spend some time with you and show you some of these. And maybe uh, just kind of, again, you know, there's giants, there's there's uh, satyrs, there's owls, there's screech owls, there's a cockatrice, there's a giant, there's seraphims and cherubs and there's all these different creatures that are inhabit the heavenly places which one day when the Lord goes in and that war in heaven happens and we've looked at uh, exhaustively I think then we begin to see that we then take their place he will dispossess clean out the heavens, and then insert us, and we will dwell in the heavens, and we'll live there. And when you th- talk about these creatures, and you begin to look at them, there's something you have to remember in all of this. And, and Colossians 1, we're going to start there, and this is why. But I do want you to remember about the heavenly places those four things. One, they're real. This isn't twilight zone. This isn't um, Star Trek, the next generation. This isn't any of that. This, this is real. These creatures are real. The places are real. They're organized. The power structure there, the governmental structure, and so forth of the principalized powers. We've looked at all of that. Number three, right now, they're in the hands of the adversary, the usurper. But yet one day, God has a reconciliation program, and that's where we've been really looking at, is that plan. And we are involved with that where he's going to take all of the governmental structure, Ephesians 1.10, and he's going to put it all back underneath the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that issue of the unity between the earth, what's going on on the earth and through the nation of Israel and that government, and the unity with us in the heavenly places. Too often times we make such great distinctions between the body and Israel, and yet in Scripture they're really designed to work together and to have a unit and to have unity and cohesion. And we're going to talk a little bit about that next week in Ephesians 1 over there where he filleth all all things and so forth, okay? But this morning, I just want to spend a couple hours with you looking at these things and uh, just so, that's a joke. That's a joke. Paul's already told me he's got an appointment at 3, so I can go to 2.30. Oh, <laughs> tomorrow. Okay. But I want you to remember, just again, just have some fun with this and look at it. So we're going to go quickly. Again, I'm not trying to teach the doctrine in every passage. I just want you to see these things, these creatures. Colossians 1 verse 16, Paul starts, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and 
invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And I just, real quick there, the things that are visible and what? Invisible. I want you to remember the correspondence here between the physical realm and the spiritual realm. Because, come over to Mark 4, when you begin to look at this issue about some of these creatures, there are going to be creatures on the earth that are going to have these characteristics, but there's a correspondence creature that does the same thing, has the same uh, characteristics in the spirit realm. So when we look at these things, especially when we get over and look like at a satyr, and so forth, and you, and, or the dragon and the dragons and everything. When you begin to look at these things, you have to remember in your mind that there's a correspondence, that while he says that these things are here on the earth, there's also a correspondence in our realm, in the spiritual realm, okay? The realm of the heavenly places. You with me? Got that? Because we're going we're gonna to roll now. Mark 4. In Mark 4, you start in verse number 3, and he says, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And he, and he gives the parable of the sower. Verse 4. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it. Now, he's going to illustrate, he's going to explain the parable, starting in verse 13. By the way, the Lord Jesus Christ, I told you I wasn't going to teach the doctrine, but it just can't do it, can't not do it. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives parables, he talks in parables, and they say, why are you talking in parables? Now, what the theologians and the preachers say is so that everybody at every level can get it. But you know that's not what the Lord said in Matthew 13. He said, I'm talking in parables so you believers can get it, and that unbeliever doesn't get it and can't get it and can't understand it. It's for the believing remnant, and it's not for the apostate nation. See that? It's fascinating when you read your Bible. You quickly learn that the theologians and the preachers are kind of wrong at certain things. Okay? But then... But, but now, so go to verse 13. Here's the explanation. Also, the Lord explains three of his parables so that the believing remnant can hear the parable and have a, you ever look at a map? We, don't, we look at GPS on our phones nowadays, but in the old days when they have a big map, they have a, have a, a, a key down at the bottom, what the symbols mean. So what the Lord did was he gave them a key. Here's what these mean. So when I'm talking in parables, and he says, verse 13, and he said unto them, Know ye not this parable, and how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the what? But wait a minute, what did he sow? He sowed a seed, didn't he? So then what is the seed equal to? The word, right? And these are they by the wayside, which the word is sown, but, but when they heard, Satan cometh immediately and take away the word that was sown in their hearts. But that's not what verse 4 said. Who came and took, the, took away the seed in verse 4? The birds. The birds are going to be equal to who? Satan. And the satanic policy of evil against Israel, which was designed to try and to destroy the impact of the word of God in Israel. See? But what do we have? We have birds equal who? Satan. So guess what happens when you talk about birds in Scripture? Nine out of ten times, guess what they're related, uh, associated with? 
devils and demons and the satanic policy of evil. And they begin to work that way. So there's a comparison, a, a, cor not a, comparison, a correspondence between the physical realm and the spiritual realm. And you begin to see that all through the scriptures, okay? Now, Revelation 13. Let's just get started here and look at some of these. And some of these you will be familiar with. Some of these you'll go, huh? And you'll just have to dole for doleful creatures. We're going to look at a guy here in a minute. He'll drink up the whole river. A whole river, he just consumes it. It's fascinating. Uh, Revelation 13, look at verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a what? A beast. What do we see? A beast, right? You see the beast? Verse uh, the beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his head the name of blasphemy. Now watch the beast. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. So he's got the body of a what? Of a, of a leopard, right? He's got, and, and for, and his feet were feet of a bear, okay? What else do we have here? And his mouth was the mouth of a lion. And then we have a dragon, don't we? Isn't that interesting? What do we have here? We got a beast. We have, and, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So the dragon is the guy in control of the beast. But look at the description here. The beast has this, he, he's this composite being, isn't he? He's got all these different animals in him, a leopard, a, a, a bear, and a lion. By the way, what is the lion, a mouth of, as a lion, what does a lion do when he gets something in his mouth? Tears it, devours it, doesn't it? Uh, uh, the Lord will say, the, uh, the Satan is like the lion seeking whom he may devour. The dragon... The dragon is a big term. We'll see it over and over again. The dragon is the one that gave his power. He's a, the, that dragon is a fierce beast. He's a big lizard-looking thing. Okay? Chapter 11 of Revelation. Chapter 11, verse 7. 11:7. 11, 7. Notice where this beast comes from. 11, 7. And when they, and that's the two witnesses, have, have finished their testimony, the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Where's the beast coming from? He's out of, coming out of that bottomless pit down there. That's fascinating to me. He's going to come up, and what's he going to do? What's he going to look like? He's going to look like a weird-looking dude, isn't he? Come back with me to Job chapter 40. Just kind of, again, I, I am so tempted to teach the, the doctrine, but you've got to pay attention to this. Job 40, and I'm, I got myself up here. Slow down and stay on point. Job 40. Look at verse number 15. Job 40, verse 15. Behold now, what? Behemoth. B-E-H, I just misspelled it. B-E-H-E. Okay, behemoth. 
Now, Schofield's got a little note, just so you hear him. As some, or the elephant, as some think. Say what? The behemoth is a composite being. How do you know that? Keep reading. Look at him. What's he going to do? Which I made with thee, he eateth grass like an ox. So you got an ox in him, don't you? And, uh, lo, now his strength is in his loins, and his force is in the navel of his belly. He moveth his tail like a cedar. The sinews of his stones are wrapped together. His bones are a strong piece. You see that thing about moving like a tail? See, the tail. Leopard, bear, lion, the beast, this dragon. Now these guys, are, by the way, this is describing all the same guy, but they're there. Verse 18, his bones are strong pieces of brass, his bones are like bars of iron. He is the chief of the ways of God. He that made him can make him his sword to approach unto him. Surely the mountains bring forth Bring him forth fruit where all the beasts of the field play. He lieth under shady trees in the covert of the reed and the fens. The shady trees cover him with their shadows. The willows of the brook compass him about. Now watch verse 23. Behold, he drinketh up a river and hasteth not. He trusteth that he can draw up Jordan into his mouth. Look at this guy. He's weird. The behemoth isn't an elephant. The behemoth is this composite beast described in Revelation. And that composite, you might need to close that door there just so you, there you go. Okay, the composite beast here. Look at this guy. He can drink up the river. He lay, he's got a tail. He lays in the reeds. And, and I don't know if you've ever watched Mutual of Omaha. When I was growing up, that was the big show, you know, Wild Kingdom. And they got that old goofy lion looking back there and flipping his tail and do 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 do, you know. And then all of a sudden, wham, he's on him, you know, <laughs> got him. But this is, look at this guy. He can drink up the whole, he's going to go try to drink up the Jordan River. He's not a good guy, but he's, a, he's described here, isn't he? Hold on to, well, hold on to, eh, just let it go. Go back to Psalms 74. We're going to come back to Job 41 here, that's why. Job 40, or Psalm 74. Job. So we're talking here about this guy. He's got a description as a behemoth. He's got all these animals in him. And then we're talking about this dragon guy, these creatures. Psalm 74, verse 13. Thou didst divide the sea by thy strength. Thou breakest the heads of the dragons in the water. Notice now it's a plural dragons. There's an S on it now. There's plural. There is the dragon, that's going to be Satan. And then you got dragons, you got all these little guys. Verse 14, thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces and gavest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. Now you got Leviathan, all right? Leviathan, and Leviathan's a sea monster. He's got all these heads, the Loch Ness Monster. Everybody sees that. And, oh, my goodness. By the way, I told you no by the ways, but by the way, all of these beasts are described on all of the, all of the ancient drawings that you find and that the, they have found on the walls of caves and the pyramids. Wherever they've done archaeology, you know what they begin to find? 
all of the descriptions of these animals on the earth. And you know what they have? They have a correspondence out there in the spiritual realm as well. Now, by the way, doctrinally, the Leviathan is in the sea. Do you know what's below the earth? See? What's above the earth? See? See, you got all this doctrine that just, you know, scare you how much is here. I just want you to see the, issue, the issues here of there's creatures that are involved. Now, the dragon. The dragon is a land animal. All right? Have you ever wondered what happened to the dinosaurs? Dino, dino, dino the dinosaur. The word dinosaur did not exist until 1840 in the English language. When you read in scripture about the dragons, you know, you're ta he's talking about dinosaurs. Large, lizard-looking animals. Big, long tails. And so forth. The creatures that we call dragons... They're really dinosaurs. That's what he's talking about. And they, they're throughout the history. So the dragon is this gigantic lizard-looking thing. Come over to Jeremiah. Is this on your paper, Jeremiah 9? Okay, good. Whew, thought I missed one. I had to shrink it down. By the way, your list was two pages long. But I had to shrink it to get it on one. <laughs> so Jeremiah 9. Just notice this, Jeremiah 9, look at verse 11. And I will make Jerusalem heaps and the den of dragons. Notice they live in dens. Where does the dragon live? Where does that, they, they got dens, chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 22. Behold, the, the noise of the brute is come, and a great commotion out of the north country to make the city of Judah desolate and a den of dragons. Now that's a spiritual issue in Jerusalem. But notice there they live in dens. Come over to Revelation 12 or back to Revelation 12. They're this gigantic lizard looking thing. Revelation 12 verse number 9 and the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called who? The devil. So if you've got the devil, and he's the bang guy, Satan, right? Well, if you have dragons, then you got a bunch of little devils, don't you? The demons and all of that going on. Come back to Job 41. Let's talk about Leviathan. Job chapter 40. Am I going fast, too fast? You know where I'm going. Job 41. Job 41. That clock says I should be done here in a few minutes, so not really, but in about a half hour, okay? <laughs> Job 41. Folks, this is, when I was doing this and looking through this stuff, I got so excited that I, I forgot where I was. Because what begins to happen is as you begin to look at this stuff, yes, there's a physical issue here. By the way, what happened to the dinosaurs? They, 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 they're gone. Okay? We, don't, we have a kimono dragon. What does that dude look like? See, we, it's a big lizard, isn't he? Big claws. Claws like a bear, by the way. Teeth like that lion. And they are fast. You see National Geographic, and then them things move like the lion. See, you got all these descriptions in Scripture. Job 41, by the way, what that tells you is your Bible's right and it's real. And just because it doesn't use a term that you're, oh, you know, I know, like, you know, 
Nephilim, the giants. But see, the theologians in them, they don't like to say the word giants because that's what's in your King James Bible. They like to use the, old, the new Bibles and it's Nephilim because that makes us sound so much better. No, it's a giant, dude. Come on. You know, get over yourself. Job 41. Here's Leviathan, verse 1. Cast, canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook? Or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? Canst thou put a hook into his nose or bore his jaw through with a thorn? Look at Leviathan. He's a sea monster. Pull him out of that. We go fishing and what do you do? You don't fish with, with nothing on the end of the line. You got a hook on the end of that line. You're looking to catch something. Hold on to here. Look back at Isaiah 27. Hold on to Job, Isaiah 27. Here is who Leviathan is, by the way. Isaiah, here, Carlos. Come here, right here. Just come, there you go. Look at Isaiah 27, verse 1. Isaiah 27, 1. In that day the Lord, with his sore and great and strong sword, shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. Who is he talking about? He's talking about Satan. That's who he's talking about. By the way, the beast up here ends up being the Antichrist. Okay? That's who he ends up being when you work it out. Come back to Job 41. So Leviathan, the dragon, the serpent. <laughs> we saw the serpent. Where did he show up? Garden of Eden, and what did he say? Yea, hath God said. And oh, by the way, I'm going to tell you a lie. <laughs> he, he was a liar, the father of it. And he, there he is, Satan. Now look at Job 41. Look at Leviathan. Notice his characteristics here. Come over to verse 18. By his sneezings, a light doth shine. Sneezings, what would that be? Sneezing, heavy breathing, you know? Uh, I, I think of that commercial one of uh, C, OCP, CPD or whatever it is, and they go, Grandpa, you sound like that. And he's heavy breathing. That's a sneezing, a, like a sneeze, okay? But notice what happens when he breathes hard, verse 18. His, a light doth shine, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. I don't know about you, ever come around the corner and the sun hits you in the face, what are you doing? It's, it's a little bright, isn't it? Out of his mouth go burning lamps, and sparks of fire leap out. Out of his nostrils go smoke, and out of, his, out of a seething pot, as out of a seething pot or cauldron, his breath kindle coals, and a flame goes. You know what this guy is? He's a fire-breathing dragon. He's, a, he's breathing fire. He's Puff the Magic Dragon. From the old songs. You gotta be old enough to know that. See? Okay? See what you know, see, we see this stuff and everybody gets mystical with it and ooh. And you know what the Bible says? No, that's what that dude looks like. He's he's got he's a fire breathing dragon coming out of him. By the way, we're all talking about Satan, right? And his program. I just want you to catch beast, Leviathan. Come over to Numbers 23. Numbers 23. The dragon, that land animal. Numbers 23. 
By the way, dinosaur, that word didn't show up until 1841. I stand corrected, my notes. Okay? N uh, numbers 23 and verse number 22. Here's the next one. 2322. <clears throat> Am I in the, that's not the right word. It's because I'm 22. 2322. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. Now this one, everybody puts on top of a horse. Have you ever seen a horned horse? Then it ain't a horse. What's a horn? What, what animal do we know that has one horn? Una, one. Corn, horn. What is it? A rhino. Right? Okay, now there are rhinos that have two horns. And I'll show you a verse in a minute where they translated unicorn, and the word is actually the two, the bi, the bi. So, but I want you, what I want you to see this is, uh, come over to Deuteronomy 33. You got to kind of think about this. You got to get out of the, the storybooks and the mystic stuff. Unicorns. Okay, Disney did a great job selling us that it's a horse. And by the way, the horse has wings on it and all this stuff. Look, look at Deuteronomy 33. Look at verse 17. His glory is like the firstlings of his bullock, and his horns are like the horns of unicorns. With them he shall push the people together to the ends of the earth. He's going to push people around. I don't know of any horses that really push stuff. They pull stuff. But the rhino's going to, the horned, the unicorn does what? He's got great strength, doesn't he? He can move people around. He can move them from here to there. So you got the unicorns, that horned beast. We have pictures today of the rhino. He would be what that unicorn is, a, rhino, a rhinoceros. Okay? Come over to Psalms 22. Psalms 22. Psalms 22, we talk about the cross, and you get the picture around the cross. Psalms 22, verse number 12. Many, Psalms 22, 12. Many bulls. You know what a bull is? Right? Bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. Bulls associated with worshiping the devil. In Scripture, Exodus 32, Moses hears the war in the camp as they're coming down. And what did they do? And what have they done? They've made themselves a golden calf and they're worshiping that bull that animal, that cow. Verse 16. For, do we know what a dog is? For the dogs have compassed, compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. The dogs. Who's, at the, who's around about the cross of, of Calvary? The Gentile Romans and the unbelieving Jews who later are declared to be uncircumcised dogs. And there they are. So you got dogs. By the way, you don't have cats as in just a cat, but you do got a leopard. 
So I give you that, and a lion. You got the big cats, you know. I saw the little thing that said the, the golden retriever's got his glasses on, and he goes, I've reviewed the budget, and we cannot afford the cat. <laughs> so uh, that's it, all right? So you've got dogs. Look down at verse 21. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. There they are. You got all this. We, we understand what those things look like. There's a correspondence in the physical realm as well as in the spiritual realm. Now let's go get a little weird here. Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14. I told you we'd go quick through this list because I'm just showing you the animals. I hope. Hopefully, like I said, I try to have some fun with this by showing them to you. And you can go take them and study them out and look at them. And you go back. I didn't pull up any. Uh, you guys know what a bombardier beetle is? Okay, it's a beetle. And when he gets attacked, he turns around like a skunk does. And he shoots out poison. And it burns if it gets on you. We're going to see him right here. What we see today in that beetle, Isaiah 14, notice verse 28. Rejoice not thou, whole Palestinia, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fly, fiery flying serpent. This cockatrice, when he bites you, guess what he injects in you? You know, fiery fly, he's going to hurt you. He comes along and he's going to stick you and sting you. Chapter 13, verse 21. Boy, these things get really weird in here. But there's terminology that we can understand about them. Isaiah 13, verse 21. But wild beast of the desert, does that even sound like it's a good thing? What would, think about, we live in the desert. What would be the wild beast of the desert? Scorpions, snakes, spiders, lizards, so what? Gila monsters, you know? You get out, it's like, ooh, you know? The salamander guy, all this, you know, all that. You just kind of go, ooh, I'm going back to the city, <laughs> you know? But watch what he does here. Oh, and the wild beast of the desert shall lie there, and their house shall be full of doleful creatures. Man, look at that, doleful. If you're doleful, what are you? Are you happy or are you sad? You're sad, but keep reading. And owls. And what? Satyrs shall dwell there, and, and satyrs shall dance there, and the wild beast of the islands shall cry in their desolate houses, and dragons in their pleasant palaces, and her time is near to come, and her days shall not be prolonged. Look at that. Doleful creatures, sadden, darkness, owls. Where do owls live? In the dark, don't they? The, the dark cunts and the owls come out and boom, there they go. What about that satyr? We'll see here in just a minute about that satyr. 
that issue that, you know what the Seder likes? Darkness and desolation. You're in Isaiah. Come over to chapter 34. Isaiah 34. Isaiah 34. And verse 11. Isaiah 34, 11. 34, 11. But the cormorant and the bittern shall possess it, the owl also and the raven. So now we've got a raven. We've got a bittern. And we've got a whatever that guy is, right? <laughs> All four of these guys are unclean animals. And they're unclean because they eat dead things. They, don't, they eat the dead flesh. Verse 12, they shall call the nobles thereof of the kingdom, and none shall be there, and all her princes shall be nothing. And the thorns shall come up in their, her palaces, nettles and brambles in the fortress thereof, and it shall be a habitation of dragons and a court of owls. What happens when you abandon the city? That's what they've done. They've abandoned the city. What, what comes back? Nature does. Trees grow up. They, they, over there in Chernobyl. Chernobyl. I was getting there. Chernobyl. They show that place at, you know, all these years after that big mess. And trees have grown up through the houses and the buildings. And you, if you leave stuff alone, guess what's going to happen? The ground's going to reclaim it. Okay? But that means it's desolate, isn't it? There's nobody there. Verse 14, the wild beast of the desert shall also meet with the wild beast of the island, and the satyr shall cry to his fellow. The screech owl also shall rest there and find for herself a place of rest. So now we've got a screech owl. What is a, when a screech owl wakes up and he, he screeches, right? I mean, you know what that's telling you? He's awake. And then he goes to business, to work. Verse 15, and there, and there shall the great, and now we got a great owl, make her nest and lay and hatch and gather under her shadow. There shall the, uh-oh, there's the vulture shall be gathered, every one with her mate. Look at that. All of these creatures, great owl, vultures, screech owls, all this stuff out there, and you look at it and you go, what in the world is going on? And my point this morning is, is just as you can recognize some of this in the physical realm, guess what's sitting over in the spiritual realm? Same thing. Okay? Now let's think about this satyr for a minute. A satyr is a half-man and a half, he's got the body of a horse and then the neck of the man. He's half horse and then the top half is a man. Okay? Come to 2 Chronicles chapter 11. 2 Chronicles chapter 11. The, that word Seder, by the way, is literally the Hebrew word spelled in the English. Okay? So that word S-A-T-Y-R is the Hebrew word spelled into English, literally, boom to boom. Now, in 2 Chronicles 11, it's translated here, but it's translated, 2 Chronicles 11:15, and he ordained him 
priests from the high places and for the devils and for the calves which he had made. You see that word devils? He, that, is the, that is the Hebrew, that's the translation of the word Seder there. So the word Seder, and by the way, the reason that you haven't ever seen a Seder, and guess what, no one ever has, is because he's associated with the devils in the spiritual realm. The Seders, come over back with me to Revelation 9. Here they are, I'll show you in Revelation 9. Is where, they, is where these guys are. Now, you guys have all seen half horses and half men and everything, and everybody goes, that can't be real. But guess what? They're real. Watch them here. Here they are, Revelation 9 and verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace in the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the air. By the way, we got, where are we at? We're in the bottomless pit, aren't we? Things are beginning to come up out of the bottomless pit. Verse 3, And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them were given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. What's in the pit? Locusts and scorpions and a bunch of other stuff. And you know what? Here they come. Now, I don't know how a first century Jew, John, would write out what these guys look like, but he used locusts and scorpions. Okay? Verse 7. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. Now, watch this guy. And on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. So what do we have here? We got a half a horse and the head and the neck of a, of a man. You see that? That's how you know these, that's what these guys look. We're talking about satyrs here. That's what we're talking about. Verse 8, And they had hair as the hair of a woman, and their teeth were as the teeth of a lion, and they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings, uh-oh, now they're winged, was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle, and they had tails like unto scorpions. Have you ever been bit by, hit by a scorpion? I have, a few times, okay? You know, you go in there and you go kill them, and they lay their tail down to run, but when they're done running, they put that... We're going to time to fight. They got those claws out front. You know, crazy looking things. They had tails like unto scorpions, and they were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. Notice their description. They got a horse and the face of a man. By the way, that horse has a body for war. What, what do they put on horses for war? Chainmail, don't they? And, and, and protection. These guys aren't just com coming through and going to tiptoe through the universe to make you go, ooh, look at that. They're here for a reason. They're here to make war. They got, a, they got hair of a woman. They got teeth of a lion. They got wings. Now, when you try to draw that all out, guess what you get? You get what the satyr looks like. And you get this idea that, man, and by the way, you've never really seen that in real here on the earth because where did he come from? 
the bottomless pit. He belongs to Satan. They're a part, this guy is a part of the, the degenerating creation out of that bottomless pit. You know, sin degenerates you. It just, you know, you've you got that curse on you. You, just, you ain't getting better. You're going to get worse, you know, no matter what pill they figure out. It ain't going to fix you, okay? They, and they come out. They're, this guy is ugly. He's not a, ooh, look at that, Superman. No, he's like, oh, my goodness, what did you come from? He's ugly looking, see. So you got these, you got, we got a list of animals here, don't we? Things we can identify and look at. Come back to Genesis 6. I don't know, you spend some time thinking about that. Reminisce, you know, mull it over in your head. Genesis 6. The satyrs, the lions. Now you got giants. Genesis 6 verse 4, or Nephilim if you like the more sophisticated word. Genesis 6 verse 4. There were what? Giants in the earth in those days. So you begin to think about giants. They're, they're men of renown and so forth. Come over to 2 Samuel, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 17, where David stands up against Goliath. 1 Samuel 17. And there are giants uh, all over. Uh, all through the scripture, and, and the giants have a have a have a thing here about the issue of of um, the satanic uh, attack on the seed of woman and so forth and all that. Again, doctrinally, just so much. It's just like oh, we take each one and talk about doctrine all day. We would literally be here till tomorrow till three. <laughs> okay, First Samuel seventeen. You've got David versus Goliath. Come over to ver down to verse 4. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Okay? So, he's six cubits and a span. A cubit is roughly 18 inches. Okay? Six times 18, what do we got? 100 and, 108, roughly. He's 9 foot 6 inches tall. A span is 6 inches. He's tall, but keep reading. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass upon his shoulder. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. <laughs> and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. He's a big guy. Okay? He's, he's 9 foot 6 inches. Or 9 inches. He's tall. He looked like Hayden, you know. Hayden, way up there. <laughs> you know. He's a giant. Numbers. Look, look back with me at Numbers 13. This, this, this thing, this number, in Numbers 13 cracks me up. Numbers 13 and verse 33. Numbers 13, 33. And there, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anch, which came of, of the giants, and we were in our own sight as what? Grasshoppers. 
These guys were, and so we were in their sight. These guys, this was Jolly Green Giant. This guy was so big, man, we felt like grasshoppers. I, it just cracks me up. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's one for Rick's humor. It's, he said, man, we looked up there, you know, they had a different ad level, uh, altitude up there. There they were. Come with me to Isaiah chapter 6. So you got giants. Now, when you think about these creatures, there are some of them that belong to God. And they belong to him. And these are some that we will see and we will have interaction with. All of these creatures were part of the satanic policy of evil. I hope you caught that as we went. If you didn't, catch it now. Okay? These guys are going to be wiped out, cleaned up, removed, dispossessed from the heaven, and then dispossessed from the earth in that battle. Okay? We're going to be placed into it. But there's a couple, there's three guys, three creatures specifically here in the last few minutes that I want you to see that we're going to deal with. Okay? One, here's Isaiah 6, verse 2. Isaiah 6, you have Isaiah uh, getting a vision, verse 2, uh, verse 1. In the year of the king Uzziah died, I... Uh, uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Where is, I, where is Isaiah looking right here? In the temple, in the throne room, okay? Third heaven. Above it stood the what? The seraphims. Isn't that interesting? Now, who are these guys? Well, watch. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. It's a winged creature. He's got a face and feet, so he's got to have a body. He's covered up, and in the other two wings, off he goes. But watch verse 3. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Verse 6, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongue from off the altar. The seraphims, what are they crying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. They're able to handle that live coal, the fire, and it not burn them. Come over to Psalms 104. Psalms 104. These guys are winged creatures. Psalms 104. And, they, and fire is a part of their activity and a part of their being and who they are. Uh, when, when Moses told Aaron and them guys not to use strange fire, and they were to use the fire that came from God. Elijah calls to heaven, and God sends a fire down. The seraphims are involved in that because they're protecting the holiness of the Lord God, the Godhead. Let's say it like that. That's their job. Okay? Psalms 104, verse 4. 104, verse 4. He's describing some things here. And he says, Who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers a what? Flaming 
fire. That's who these guys are. That's the seraphim. They're, they're able to handle that flaming fire. Now, the verse talks about his angels. We'll talk about them here in just a second. But when you go back there to Isaiah 6, around that throne, around that temple, around the third heaven where God sits, guess what we have? We got some creatures that are dealing with a protection of holy, 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 his righteousness, and they're able to handle and deal with that fire, and it's what their job is to do. In Isaiah 6 there, verse 7, he says, And he, and he, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thine lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Isaiah's worried about his sin, and what did that seraphim do? He said, man, this is right off the altar of God. He has just said, I can't speak. How in the world? Verse 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Isaiah's great words there. Isaiah's worried he's not worthy. The, Isaiah 7 corresponds to the, to the seventh, or I'm sorry, Isaiah 6 corresponds to the book of Joshua. And you know what Joshua said? I ain't worthy to pick up Moses' mantle. I can't do this. And you know what God the Father did? God did. Boom, there you go. Go do it, buddy. And guess what? He's doing the same thing to Isaiah. But who did it? The seraphim did. The, one of the angelic creatures did. Now, around that throne also is, by the way, notice they have wings. Very interesting. Around that throne is another group of people. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. There's another set of creatures that are around that throne room. Genesis 3 verse 20, uh, 24. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden, what? Cherubs. Cherubim, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. The cherubim show up. And you come over, you go in Exodus 25, it's on your paper there, and you know what they put on the top of that Ark of the Covenant? A couple cherubims. Come over to Psalms, chapter 80. You look at that, and they, they place ark, they place these cherubim, and that's the place where the Lord was going to dwell and meet with man, meet with Israel. Psalms 80 and verse number 1. Psalms 80. So I gave you one we didn't look at, right? Okay, so just one. Psalms 80, verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, thou that leadeth Joseph like a flock, thou that dwelleth between the cherubims, shall shine. The cherubims are where God's dwelling and where he's living. Come over to Ezekiel chapter 1. You got to see these. That's why we're looking at them, okay? Get Ezekiel 1 and Ezekiel 10 together. We'll do this quickly. Quickly because time's running out and the nursery lady that oversees the nursery is going to not be happy with me. <clears throat> Ezekiel 10, Ezekiel 1. Ezekiel 1 verse 3. The word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans, by the river Chabar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, 
a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself, and the brightness was about it, and, one of the, and out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber, and out of the midst of the fire, and, all, and out of the midst thereof came the, came the likeness of four living creatures. And that's going to be the cherubim. And those four living creatures, look at them. Notice what they are. Uh, verse 5. And, there was, uh, and, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. By the way, the living creatures there... How you know their cherubim is chapter 10, verse 15. Just look across there real quick. Chapter 10, verse 15. 10, 15. And the cherubims were lifted up. This is the living creature that I saw by the river of Chabar. So he says, hey, the guys I'm going to describe for you in chapter 1, guess what they are? They're the cherubim. You see that? Okay. Did I lose you there? Okay, back to chapter 1. Notice these guys. And everyone had four faces, and everyone had four wings. And their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like the color of burning brass. And they had hands of a man under the wings on, the, on their four sides, and their four had their faces and their wings, and their wings were joined one to another, and they turned not when they went, they went and they went every one straight forward. And the, four, and, the, and the likenesses of their faces, the four had the face of a man, had the face of a lion, and on the right side they, they four had the face of an ox, and on the left side they, had all, they four also had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces, and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings on every one were uh, joined one to another, and two covered their bodies, and they went every one straight forward whither the spirit was to go. They went, and they turned not when they went. And off you go. See that? Now you got you got these guys have four faces. They got the face of a of a of a of a lion. That's going to match Matthew as the king lion, the king of the jungle. Then they got the face of a of a man. There's the Gospel of Luke. He's the man. Then you've got the face of an ox. There's Mark, the servant. What does an ox do? He serves. He works. And then you've got the face of an eagle, and that's the majestic creature, and there's God. You've got four of these guys sitting around, and you know what they do? They sit around the throne room of God, and again, their job is to do whatever the Spirit says for them to go do. And they've got four of them, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those descriptions there. But there's a fifth angel. There's a fifth cherub. Do you remember him? Exodus 28. It's on your list. You go over there, and the Lord says to Lucifer, you are the cherub that covereth. And there's a fifth one that covers the throne room. Now, Lucifer fell, didn't he? He became the beast, the dragon, all that. So who becomes the fifth gospel? Paul, the church, the body of Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Paul. And you know what Paul's gospel is about? The heavenly places, the stuff that covers. Works out every time. That's because the author is divine. Come over with me to Hebrews chapter 1. One more group. And that's those angels. And that's the angel class. In the angel class, you'll have Gabriel. You'll have the angel of the Lord. You'll have the, you know, you got all the, you got different classes and groups of them. 
But Hebrews 1, verse 13 and 14, here's what they are and who they are. Hebrews 1, 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Are they not all ministering spirits? That's what the angel is, a ministering spirit, going to go and do what needs to be done. Revelation 21, verse 17 says that they have the appearance of a man. An angel does not have wings. Okay? It's the appearance of a man. So when you see people talk about their guardian angel, come over to Zechariah 5. You've got to see this. Zechariah chapter 5. You guys bored? I hope not. <laughs> got to get it all in there, I guess. Zechariah 5, start in verse number 5. And you've got these visions going on here that Zechariah is having. We're just Again, we're just jumping in, verse 5. Then the angel that talked with me sent, uh, we, uh, Zechariah 5, 5. Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, Lift up now thine eyes and see what is that goeth forth. And I said, What is it? And he said, This is an ephah that goeth forward, forth. And he said, Moreover, this is their resemblance throughout all the earth. And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead, and this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephod. And he said, This is wickedness. And he cast it into the midst of the ephod, and he cast the weight of the lead upon the mouth thereof. Then lifted I up mine eyes, and looked, and behold, there came out two women, and thy wind was in their wings. So you got an angels here, and their description is winged women. Most of the angel pictures are what? Winged Women, long flowing robes. You look at them. Look at them a little closer. Okay? But what are they called? Wickedness. But keep reading it because it's even better. And the wind was in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a, oh, the stork. What's the stork supposed to bring? The babies, right? Stork don't bring babies. You know what it brings? Wickedness. That's what kids are anyway. Wicked. Heathen. Bada boom, okay? No, that's what they... And they lifted up the ephod between the earth and the heaven. Their wickedness, man. Then said I to the angel that talked with me, Whither do these bear the ephah? And he said unto me, To build it a house in the land of Shinar, and it shall be established and set there upon her own base. Do you know what the land of Shinar is? Babylon, Daniel 1.1. This ain't good. This is bad. So winged angels are bad news. So stay away from them. Winged women angels are bad news. Okay? Stay away from them. I dig the hole deep. I don't care. All right? Now, come over to Ephesians 1. And let's wrap this up in two minutes here. And we'll just be a few minutes extra than what we normally are. Ephesians 1. Where we've been studying... I hope you see all these creatures. By the way, there's at least half a dozen or more still in there that we didn't even talk about. We didn't talk about the stork. We didn't talk, you know, I showed you. <laughs> They're there. When you read those, don't think the Bible is just hyperbole and doesn't, isn't myth, isn't, you know. They're real. And there's usually a corresponding over here in the earth as well as in the spiritual realm. And what we have to do is take off this mind of what we've been taught all of our days, come to the Bible with an open mind and say, yep, they're there. They're real. 
I might not, I don't know if you've ever tried to draw some of that out. I'm not a drawer, but I look at books and pictures of what guys have thought they, and they're not, everything I've looked at about that beast and that satyr, it is ugly. And re, not just ugly, but it is ugly. And it's like, oh my goodness. Okay? Now Ephesians 1, this is where we've been at, verse 22 and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. He's going to clean out these creatures. Come over to chapter 2. He's going to clean them out. And he's going to take us, and he's going to place us in. in. He's going to fill all in all. He's going to come to the earth, and he's going to clean out this mess. Off the earth. And then he's going to fill all in all with the nation of Israel. And he's going to use us and Israel in our proper position. Now, us is 2-7. Ephesians 2-7. That in the ages to come he might show the, what kind of riches? Exceeding. You know what exceeding means? It keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. The exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. He's going to, we get our glorified body. That glorified body, it's fashioned like unto his glorious body. Boy, you go over there and you read about his glorious body. That body that up from the grave he arose, he leaves the, the grave clothes laying there. Folks, when you leave, you're going to leave the pile of clothes where you're at. We're fashioned just like his. He's going to come up. He goes up, and you know what's radiating out from inside of him? Who he is. You're going to do the same thing. You're going to show forth, put on demonstration, his glory. And it's going to come out of you. Matthew 17, the Mount Transfiguration. You go over there, and you look at the description of how he's described in that kingdom glory body that he has. And it was as the sun shined out of him. It's coming inside out. So we're going to be the spotlight for His glory. And it's going to be exceeding. And it's going to be for ages to come. One age gets done, so we go to the next one. We get, people go, oh, am I going to know what's going on? You're going to know what's going on. You're going to keep learning. You're going to keep growing. He says over there in Colossians 3, I can't think of it now. Doggone it. I'm already in Romans 8. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. You're going to shine. You're going to fill up the heavenly places with his glory. Romans 8.18, quickly. You see, folks, you can look at this stuff and go, yeah, okay, Rick, whatever. I'm going to tell you they're real and they're there. And I'm going to tell you that God's going to deal with them. He's got a plan but he's got a plan for you and I that right now in time we're to be investing in it. What does 8.18 say? For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed where, uh, where? in us. He's going to put us on display, Ephesians 2.7, and that glory is going to come out of us. And what we're doing today is we're building up the inner man of who we are in Christ and we're living the grace life and we're coming along and we're building in that capacity for service. Have you ever put a light bulb in a socket and it's dim? And you're like, man, what is that wattage? And it's like 25. 
What do you go look for? The hundred. You see, what you're doing right now is you're building in the wattage capacity of shining forth his glory. Are you going to be a dim 25 or a hot dog 100? Which one are you going to be? Now, the judge is the Lord Jesus Christ. He determines the wattage. Your job is to put in the sound doctrine so that we can show forth his glory. Now in time, but also out there in the heavenly places. These creatures, he'll clean them up. He'll get rid of them. He'll move them. And you and I are going to go in and we're going to show forth the exceeding riches of his glory. And I don't know about you, but that's pretty exciting. Beats worrying about a Seder and all this other stuff. But it's good to know about them. Next week we'll finish up, I hope, it's the plan, <laughs> what we've been talking about. But folks, it is, I wanted you to understand critical that what you're doing today has an impact on eternity. When you die, when the Lord comes back, or you die, whichever happens first, what you take with you is, what's, is, is your inner man. You don't take any of the stuff. You know who gets that? Your kids, or the state, or whoever. Nobody. But see, the thing is, is what do you got in your inner man? That's what's important. That's where the wattage is. That's where the... The real deal is. Not, what if I got this, I got that, you know. <laughs> nah. Naked you came in, naked you're leaving. It's, it's going to stay. Oh, but I'm going to be buried with it. Yeah, there's going to be a big hole in the ground. And somebody one day going to run across there with a, like, with a metal detector and go, woohoo, we jackpot. <laughs> and your stuff ain't going to be there no more. What's going on? Know what's happening here. What, then the issue is what's going on inside of you. I told you the lady from the nursery was going to get me. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for your plan that you have for the heavenly places and for our participation in it. And the capacity that we have now, the opportunity that we have now to grow into those positions. And we do it for your honor and your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.